Hey guys, how's it going? Connor Gilson here, president of CG Consulting. And for the first time in a while, I'm actually making a podcast. I've been doing a few with Sal D'Angelo of Catalyst Media. I'm actually going to be doing one later today, which hopefully will be uploaded by tonight. So two podcasts in one day, mm, possibly. Might, might be uploaded tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I want to make one today because an interesting thought came into my mind, and I haven't really talked about it. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of this. Um, and as you saw from the beginning, it's, uh, it's entitled Friends and Enemies, what, How to Have a Balance. And I think a lot of people, um, or at least I know <laughs> a lot of people, that try to get as many friends as possible. And it's always something I've been teaching since I was a, uh, a young kid about how you people too often get too many friends. And that's very dangerous. And the reason why it's very dangerous is because you don't set a bar of quality. And it kind of spiders throughout the rest of your um, rest of your life, the rest of your career, the rest of how you interact with people. Um, I have no problem with having enemies. I actually enjoy it. And when we get into the enemy section, I am going to tell you why I'm like that, why I see it as an advantage, some points that go along with it, some quotes from history that... I've found recently that um, proved that other people have been saying this, I guess, way before I was, which is always a bummer because I always like to be a trend center and something original. But as far as having friends, um, sometimes I feel like we have a lot of people in our lives that are what I like, what I coined as donuts. And I did this when I was really young. I think I was like 21 or 22 at the time. And I'm going to see if I can find the picture because I uploaded it to Instagram once and I'm going to see if I find it. I'm looking through my camera roll now, but it really goes through what people are, like what, you know, what we sometimes set ourselves into and it's kind of hard. So this is something I posted. Yeah. Oh, Instagram looked way different then. Oh my goodness. Um, 30 weeks ago from January 2nd, 2015. So, yeah. Almost. So, it was, it was in 2014 I posted this. Donuts. They look nice from afar and up close are fine in short doses, but too much and they will leave you feeling like garbage. They feel airy and nice at first, but can sit like rocks in your stomach and make you feel like you're rotting. They are not considered a food of quality. They usually are bright and visually loud, to make them look better. They don't improve the deep matters in your life, and they are usually in the company of yet more donuts. Sound like any of your friends? And when I posted that, I got a huge, massive um, attention from that. Um, I got crazy amounts of likes. Um, even my friends within my circles started using the term donuts to describe other um, people that we viewed as dangerous. And it was very interesting because I feel like that's what a lot of people have as friends. A lot of people have donuts, something that they enjoy being around. Um, they're loud, they're obnoxious. They don't really offer any substance or kind of motivation or um, weight to your like to what you want to do with your life. They don't push you forward. Um, the friends that are in my circles, um, completely different thing. Uh, I think of Sal D'Angelo, uh, David, Ryan. I don't really have too many friends in my life besides like work associates. 
that I don't either help them build something or they don't help me with something. It's more like how can we blaze through this awesome thing we call life and push ourselves to go to the, the, to the best points of it, to really achieve what we want. So when we're together in the nursing home in a, you know, 20, 40 years, well, hopefully, hopefully I'm not in nursing home at 40. Sorry. Um, you know, when you're 80 or 90 or whatever, you can look over at your friend and be like, dude, we, we did it. We did what we, we did. We had balance. We kept each other on track and here we are. And I feel that's a big thing. That's a big thing that us as people and as friends should do. If you have friends that all you do is go out and drink and, you know, hang out and go to movies and, um, do stuff like that, is that really something that's really pushing you forward? If that's the type of person you are, then good. That's good. Um, then keep those friends. But if you're listening to this podcast, a part of you is going to be the type of person that wants to move forward in their life. And how many friends of yours is actually pushing you forward? Because we think about it, friends and family, and a lot of times when we're trying to achieve our goals, when we're trying to achieve the goals that we want to do, we we get kind of pushed back from them, right? Like, oh, you're being too hard on yourself. Oh, get a normal nine to five job. Oh, you should be doing this. Oh, you should be doing that. Why are you like trying to do this? Like, why don't you come hang out with us more often? Like, you don't spend time with us. You don't spend time with your family. You don't spend time with your kids. You don't spend time with um, us as friends. Like, it's a crazy amount, right? It's a crazy amount of that that goes on with most of our friends and most of our family. How many people do we have that push us forward? I have one friend, David, who, if I'm being lazy and he knows I'm being lazy, he'll be like, dude, why aren't you working? That's the type of friend you want. Type of friend that pushes you towards your goals, your achievements. That's what you want. And I can, I can talk to him. I can have conversations with him. And they are incredibly deep things. I, and I can... Or a lot of people say like, oh, maybe it's, you know, your sign, maybe it's your, um, just the way you were raised or born or things like that, um, how you grew up, that you need to be like this. But for me, if I don't have a, something of depth and substance with a friend, it can never, it can never last. I can't be in a relationship, whether it's romantic or platonic, if I'm not connecting to them on a crazy level. My friendships, don't get me wrong, are the most intense things that people witness. In fact, when I was working, when I met Sal, when Sal was about to leave um, to go to a different job at Best Buy, right before that, a new hire came in. And I was telling her about how awesome Sal was. And she mistaken me for being gay and thought that I had a crush on Sal because of how highly in regard that I spoke of him. So that's my friendships. I've also had a friend who um, got drunk at a a party because sometimes I uh, go to parties and I I drink and I relax and things like that. And I I was drinking a lot that night, but I had to snap out of it because my friend had went way overboard against, I had told him not to. And I was trying, I was watching him and and I went to go do something in another room and he downed like half a bottle of something. Um, But... I had to snap out of that and take care of him the whole rest of the night. I was puking and like, it was bad. And one of, one of uh, his friends looked at me and said, it's insane how much you care about him. I wish I had a friend like you. 
And I've heard that many times in my life, and it's just how I am. So I'm not saying, especially when we get into the enemy part, especially when we get into the enemy part, you're going to think I'm pushing the fact that you shouldn't have friends. And that's not the case. You should have friends, but you should be very, very picky of which ones that you have in your circle. Because I find that saying, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. I find that saying true in certain parts, but I find it kind of funny in a lot of other parts as well. Because there's not people that know how to destroy you better than your closest friend. That's one thing that people learn about me. I, in fact, had somebody that pushed me recently that I was very, very close friends to, and I was very, very close to them. And I never thought I was going to be, and I never thought it was going to get to the point where it did. But they had a fascination of trying to trigger me to the point where I would flip out and get mad at them. Um, and that's based on, you know, a lot of personal things within, within them. Um, they were treated badly by other people, um, that were similar to me and they expected that to happen in their subconscious and that eventually came out. So they pushed me and pushed me and pushed me to a point where, and it's funny cause like I have like a hard time remembering like all this now cause I've been like doing this thing where you rewrite memories to kind of. It's kind of a cool thing to look, look into it. Um, but you can rewrite memories in your mind if you constantly like remember them over and over and over and over again, short succession, and uh, kind of rewrite it. Because when we pull a memory, um, that's it. It's out of our head, and then we put it back, and we're just remembering the last time we pulled it. Um, but I don't remember a lot of things about this anymore at this point. But <clears throat> I do remember towards the end. And they, I mean, at one point they said... Um, while they were drunk, that they liked to, this is a while back, that they why they like pushing me to see if I'll ever snap on them, but they know I never won't. Well, that was proved wrong. Because at one point, a um, couple months ago, I think, yeah, a couple months ago, um, they said something that I just won't, I won't tolerate. And they pushed me and pushed me, and... I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't need this in my life anymore. And I could have walked away instead of doing what I did, but I want to make sure that it was done. I want to make sure it was, it was over, that they weren't going to come back and try to talk me into it. Because I'm very forgiving. That's always something I've been with my friends and with people in general. I don't have the time to be angry and upset about people, and I look, look for the good in people. I do. Um, so I didn't want that person coming back. I didn't want that person asking for my forgiveness, because I usually do. Um, so I wanted to use their mind against them. And what I did was use all of their insecurities and to lash out and attack them through that. And that's not something that I like doing. I used to do it all the time, but it's something I've worked on. And actually I, I told that person that I keep you in my life so I can get better at that because you're constantly trying to tick me off. And normally I would just cut you and walk away, but I'm trying to work on that. Uh. I hope that's not my lawn mowing guy because I do have to go at some point and go work. Dang it. Anyways. <clears throat> yep, it is cool. Um, but that lashing out and using against what 
and that's one of the things I've always been good at. It's not a trait that I like doing. Like I said, um, if somebody's really attacking me, oh, I enjoy putting them in, in that spot. But that's what I'm trying to say here. I'm using even myself as an example. Your friends know what will destroy you if they say it or they do it to you. So you got to be very careful who you let into that circle. And I'm not saying don't trust people. There's not one person on the face of this planet that trusts people more than I do once they've shown me that I can trust them. Um, it's gotten me hurt many, many times, but I trust people still because I find that it, it would be a loss if you didn't. But when we take friends into those circles, and sometimes we, especially when we're successful, we then take those friends into our business, right? We take them into our companies, our, um, our organizations, uh, places where we work, things like that. And that's not always the best idea. And there's plenty of things through history that show us that appointing somebody with power in a business or company or a um, historical reign of power um, is a bad idea. But what about enemies, right? What about enemies? Why do I say that you should have enemies? So now I kind of talked about how that we should... Be careful of our friends turning into our enemies using stuff against of us. Because, in fact, you have way more to fear from friends than you should be fearing your enemies. So if you look around, and I want you to think about this, and I want you to take this in slowly. If you look around and you have no enemies in your life, find a way to make them. Find a way to make enemies. The reason being is if you think, even for a second, that you don't have any enemies, then you don't know where they are. You don't know which one's the enemy. You don't know which friend is your enemy. That's where I'm very quick to judge what people are, what people are trying to accomplish. Because if you're not trying to accomplish something that's going along with my vision, my goals, then you're kind of working against me. And there's different levels of enemies, right? But I have no problem. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, I have no problem when I first walked into this place saying, I'm not going to get along with you. I'm going to get uh, your, or actually I said, you're not going to get along with me. Um, you're going to get along with me, you're going to get along with me, uh, you're not going to. And one of the people I, are both people that I didn't really give a crap, are high, way higher up than I am. I have no problem with having enemies. No, I'm not going to go like at them and go like nuts right off the bat. Like that's a dumb, a dumb move. But in my head, I noted, hey, I don't really like them, don't like what they stand for. I don't like how they do this. I don't, I don't like it. And you got to remember me, if you know me in person, my facial expression, my body language, because I've trained with it so much, I mean, I can suppress it and get rid of it completely. That's why I'm very good at poker. But in most cases, I just show it. I just show it because that's what I need to do. I need to show people what I'm feeling at any given time. And there's a balance, there's a balance, especially with friends and enemies, there's a balance of having mystery and having them guess you, <clears throat> try to figure it out. That's something that we're going to probably talk about in the next podcast, 
about how to create mystery and how to make sure that nobody ever knows every step you're about to take because that's dangerous. But with the whole friends thing, you, I display, hey, I like you, or I view you as, you know, something important, even to the point where I'll say it to people very audibly, like, you are an amazing person. This is why you're an amazing person. You're unique and different. And I apologize for the guy mowing the lawn right behind me. <laughs> but uh, this is frustrating, but I don't have the time. So I apologize, guys. You're going to hear the lawnmower going around and around again. Um, I apologize. I just don't have time to do this podcast any other time today. And I need to make sure that this is this is getting some, uh, this is getting done. Um, but yeah, displaying that. And like I said, or what is it? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, when I care for somebody and they don't see it, sometimes they don't see it because when I, I want to say, I'm going to say it, uh, when I fall in love with somebody and I don't mean like romantic love, when I become very, energy kind of feeling when I fall in love with someone's energy how they live their life because you got to remember I live my life very very true to who I am oh my god I hope this isn't so loud very true to who I am and maybe if I stand in the center of my house away from the windows it'll be a little bit better very true to who I am or I can just walk to one side of the house as he comes to it there we go oh it's gonna bathroom's gonna be a little echoey all right but See if I can manage to think straight sentences while doing this. But um, I'm very expressive of what I am, of who I am. And I don't stifle back. I am very much in love with the person I am. And if you think that's conceited, good for you. And you can stop listening to podcasts because that's what I am. I am very confident in myself and who I am. And I show that. I show that to my friends and family um, that I still have contact with, and I am very much me. And people fall in love with that back. They fall in love with who I am, the fact that I don't bow to people that I shouldn't bow to. I don't um, falter in what my standards and morals are. I don't break my word. I am very intense, very aggressive, but very, very caring if you get past that wall. And a lot of people, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that I've had as friends, that was the one I was talking about earlier, when they get past that fun, challenging, mysterious guy and see the deep, important, like, I actually care about you, a lot of them fall. A lot of them fall out of it, because they they like the person that didn't give a crap. They like the challenge. But it's interesting, because I'll purposely do that. I'll purposely reveal who I am, the soft side, the side that would fight for you or die for you, if I care about you enough. I reveal that and watch. (laughs) I reveal and watch. And the people that fall away and don't find it important are instantly my enemy. Instantaneously my enemy. Because that means they're fake people. People that are fake, that have no depth or substance to them. Or they're so damaged and hurt that they can't get over that part of them. So, but if somebody proves loyal to that and shows that they are comfortable with the fact that I have that side of me, then boom. Some crazy good friendships are built. Some crazy good friendships are built. I cannot have a friendship. I said this before. I cannot have a friendship where I don't have an incredibly deep connection with somebody. 
And that's not just romantic partners. That's my friends. That's my, you know, you know, mentors. That's my um, pro bonos. That's everything in my life. I'm all about human connection in the right dose. I like small, um, small amount of people with huge, huge um, investments of time in them. Um, when I lose a friend, it hurts me very, very badly because one, it's taking away my time. It's taking away my time um, that I invest in them because time is very important to me. But it's also taking away the fact that I actually at one point viewed them as something special and I went to the point where I told them and then this is what happened, okay? So let's jump into enemies, right? If you want to have a good enemy, choose a friend because chances are, especially if you have a big friend circle, one of your friends is going to become your enemy in the next couple years. Um, sad thing to realize, um, it just happens. Uh, I think of when I read that the first time, I thought of my, my ex-wife, how we were the closest people you would know. Um, I don't think I've ever had a relationship where I was closer to somebody. And based on both my mistakes and her mistakes, we turned each other into enemies. And we're not enemies right now. We just don't talk. We don't really care about each other. Um, kind of like died to each other almost. Like we know we're still alive somewhere, but we don't really, meh, you know. But <laughs> if there's one person that experienced my wrath of like, of like when I get betrayed, it was her. I went at her. Um, for a bit, and then I, I captured, like, I caught myself and took a step back and said, do I really want to do this to this person? And I said, no. But, that's what I think of. Um, and I've had, I've had friendships. I think of David. There's times where we went at each other incredibly hard. And part of that was a good thing. Part of that was a good thing that we were enemies for a little bit, like a month or three months, or I think the longest one we had was, like, five months, I think. And that big five-month one really put everything into perspective and showed how much we cared about each other because we formed it back. And we really haven't had a fight like that that stopped us from talking for any period of time in over a year now, um, which is cool, which is awesome, you know? Like, it's fun. It's fun to have a battle and then fix it. But it's more fun to get to a point where you don't have to have them. Like, there's times where he'll say things that piss me off, or there's times where I'll say things that piss him off, but there's never a point where we've become enemies again. And I view that as one of my closest friendships, or the closest friendship I have. He's my, he's my best friend. He's the second in command to my, whoops, second in my command to my inner circle, which my inner circle is, is small now. It's small, it's not as big as it used to be, but I'm working on building that up. Um, but inner circle is my, the people that I would do absolutely anything for. And a lot of them would do absolutely anything for me. Um, I hate fake people. And I'm very usually very enemy towards people like that. But if you want a good enemy, choose a friend because it's going to happen eventually. And he knows how to strike. That's the thing about me and David. If we were going to get in a fight again, we know exactly what to say and do to literally crush the other person. And I, with me, with my ability to learn psychology, even some of my short-term friends, I can do that. I mean, I'll never lash out and do it first. You have to hurt me first before it comes out. But when you do hurt me, when you prove that you're disloyal, and it comes out, well, it's, it's intense. <clears throat> um, there was an interview, <clears throat> or actually it was written down in a book, about how when Abraham Lincoln was talking about how he's going to beat... Um, 
the Southerners in the Civil War, um, he was talking about how they're people just like us, and how it's just a misunderstanding. And one of the one of the uh, one girl, I don't remember her position or whatever. That's a while ago when I read this. Um, stated that they didn't that she that he should be calling them contemptible, horrible, hideous, rotten people. And he said, "Why would why would I do that?" And uh, he says. Or she's like, you need to destroy these people. They're your enemies. And he said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Oh, do I not ma- destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? So we spent a lot of the time in the podcast talking about how a lot of times our friends will become our enemies. But something even more beautiful is taking an enemy and making enemy and making it a friend, right? That's something new to think about. How do you make an enemy into a friend? How do you do that? Well, there's a lot of like the surface ways, like uh, um, enemy of my enemy is a friend. There's that. You could find somebody that, you know, you're not really particularly fond for, but you need to take somebody out um, either power-wise or influence-wise, and you team up with another person you really don't like, um, but you're both not like him, so that's your common ground. But there's other ways to do it, okay? And it's funny because <clears throat> talking about making a friend, or making, a, yeah, making a friend of an enemy, a lot of the things that I mentioned before with friends is that it's dangerous because the problem is you often do not know that you're, you, don't, you don't know your friends as well as you think you know them or imagine um, I have the ability to see through people and see how they act and things like that, but there's still times where people have caught me off guard, where I thought they were one way, and they showed that they were better than that. There's times where I thought they were one way, and they proved worse than that. There's times where I thought something of somebody, they proved me wrong, and I was like, okay, I, I was proved wrong, because I'm very, I'm very good at when I'm proved wrong, I take it. I'm like, cool, learning experience, I love it. So there's times where I thought one way of somebody, they proved me wrong. I thought that was, I was like, wow, that's awesome. This is great. And then they eventually proved me right again. So, you know, even with me, with what I can do, sometimes I, I go off, off course. I just get turned around or I get betrayed. But this is a thing. Friends often will agree with you on things in order to, invo- to avoid an argument. See, that's the thing with me. I don't avoid an argument. I will, if I don't like something, I will tell you to your face. I won't go behind your back and say it to other people. I'll go up to you and be like, you're being stupid. You're really doing that right now? Like, are you kidding? Have you not looked at this, this, and this? What are you doing? Okay? They cover up the unpleasant qualities so as to not offend each other. Okay? They laugh extra hard at each other's jokes since honesty honestly rarely strengthens friendships. You may never really know how that person that you really, really care about actually truly feels about you. Right? Right? You don't know how they feel about you because it's all about protecting each other's egos. It's about um, being friends and being confident with each other and caring about each other when you are at a point where you can not really know what they are like. And that's a big thing. In most friendships, honesty is not the foundation. It's never the foundation in most friendships because honestly, 
with honesty, you have to be a certain type of person to be honest with your friends. Because if you're honest completely with your friends, a lot of times you're going to start these micro fights that I talked about, these, these arguments, these petty, aggressive stuff, right? You're going to start that. And if you're not honest, a friendship is going to be based on two um, murked up, murky views of each other. Because you're more honest, you're more honest with yourself of not trying to offend somebody or hurt their feelings because you care for them, rather than being honest in the first place and actually building a relationship built on blunt and honesty. Because humans, in most cases, aren't blunt and honest. We aren't. Um, that's why people are drawn to me because I am. I. And the funny thing is, there's there's times where people will say like, hey, you know, Connor is living like living with a a villain from you know a TV show or movie. He's very unique in that way. And a lot of people would take that as an offensive thing to hear, but with me, I don't, because honestly, that's kind of why I am. I do have villainous qualities of mine, because something of being blunt and saying something to somebody and risking hurting them, but not caring that you hurt them, because you're hoping that it will better them, it's kind of a villain quality, and I do have villain qualities in me. And I have no problem with that part. I, in fact, smile and laugh when people say that. But that's the thing. That's because I have no problem with who I am and I have no problem with being blunt and honest with people. I will curve that blunt and honesty if somebody's very, very sensitive so I don't hurt them. Or if they say, hey, you know, I don't like this. Can, we, can you work on not doing this with me? Then I'll do that. But a lot of friendships, a lot of friendships, I would say a majority of friendships aren't built on honesty. And I know what you're thinking, like, oh, Connor, you, like, you, you don't know what my friendships are. You don't know how I am. Listen, I, I, I haven't been on this earth for a very long time, but I've been observing. While you guys are going to clubs and bars and hanging out with each other and stuff like that, I'm the person in the back watching. And I'm not the person in the back watching because I'm not social, because if any of, any of you that are listening and that knows me knows that I'm pretty outgoing and social. Um... I'm usually the one, you know, making jokes, kind of the life of the uh, gathering or whatever. But I've been watching, and I know what humans do. I know their qualities and their traits. I know what they're capable of. And a lot of you don't, you know, have honesty with your friendship. You don't. You don't have honesty in the majority of your life. You're telling yourself that you, you know, you want to get out of your job and build a business, but you won't be honest with yourself and say that the main reason that's holding you back is because you're scared to go out and do it. And that's the difference with me. I was talking to somebody about how I wanted to start doing pickup because I got tired of Tinder and all the stupid apps because it's really crappy quality women. And I know there's better women out there and they're mostly not on Tinder and things like that. And I've been going out, I've been trying to do pickup and I'm bad at it. I'm bad at it. The reason I'm bad at it is because I'm scared. I'm scared of getting rejected. I'm scared of not knowing what to say. I'm scared of the fact that they may think I'm a creep when I walk up to them and stop inside them or in front of them and stop them. And... One person said, like, it's crazy about how honest you are with the fact that you're scared of this. Like, you don't care what my viewpoint changes of you because you're not good at something. You don't care about that. You're just voicing it to get it out and to, like, think about it and stuff like that. Most people aren't honest. They hit that wall of fear and they say, oh, no, uh, uh, I don't want to get a new job because um, I'm not ready. I have a family. I have kids. Uh, I can't do that. Um... You know, well, just give me a couple months. Uh, I need to get a new car before I do that. I need to, you know, make sure I'm stable before I do that. And that's it. 
It's not just the fear. It's the fact that you're not being honest because you'll say something. And if you convince yourself in, in the mind that you need to fix that, then you're going to believe that. And you're not fixing the fact that you need to fix something, that you need to be honest. You need to fix that honesty. So yes, in honesty, most friendships don't have that. And that's why it's super dangerous. Because a lot of friends, you don't know what each other are thinking. My friendships are very, very different in that case because I know what my friends are thinking at any given time because they are told that if they think something, they are to tell me. So there's communication there. That's why communication is important. Okay? But when you have an enemy, if you ever get the chance to bury the hatchet with an enemy, make a point of putting him in your service. And that's going to help with your morals, right? That's going to help with your moral code, that thing that kind of tells you, hey, you're doing something wrong or doing something right. It's not really that good of an idea. Why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, things like that. If you take a friend of yours and you turn them into your service, like you make them work for you, either on like psychological level, you mentally manipulate them, things like that. It's going to hurt your, it's going to hurt your conscious. But if you take an enemy and make him your friend, and as a return of the friend, and usually you're going to have to have the power to do this. You have to, have, you have to be the one in power to take your enemy and turn them into your friend. If you're doing that, what you're saying is, it's kind of a negotiation. Like, I'm pulling you in, even though you're my enemy right now, pulling you in and turning you into my friend. And as a, as a form of um, reciprocation, as a form of reciprocation, you're going to help me with this and you're going to do this for me. See a little bit better than taking your friend and be like, oh, you need to do this. And, you know, right? So do that. Turn enemies, bury the hatchet with your enemy, and then put them into your service. And this is a funny thing. Without enemies, honestly, because you don't want to do this with every enemy that I just said. You don't want to do it with every enemy because the fact is without any enemies around us, we, we grow lazy. If everything was peaceful all the time, you think humans would get stuff done? I don't think they would. Not in this current state anyways. Not in what we live and see now. Without enemies around us, we grow lazy. An enemy at our heels is going to sharpen our wits. And enemies can be in different things. It can be a, like a competition. That's our enemy. Okay? Pepsi and Coke. Um, you know, Uber and Lyft. Um, what else? I can't think of other ones. Facebook and Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn, um, Google and Yahoo and Bing. Like, you see the ones that want win, obviously. Um, Sony, and Sam, uh, Sony and Apple for the phones. Or, sorry, um, Samsung and Apple for, iPhone, or for, the, for the phones. Um, Sony and Samsung and LG for TVs, okay? And LG and Sony did that. That's one of my favorite things because that's proof right there for it. So if you don't know a lot about TVs, this is funny because LG and Sony were enemies, right? Um, Sony came out with an OLED that cost like crazy amount of money a long time ago. Couldn't, wasn't affordable for a consumer. You couldn't put it in your house, things like that. Uh, quite, a many, quite many years later, LG um, builds a consumer TV, all right? And, they're, and Sony and LG are enemies. You have Sony spiel like, oh, this is, as, this is better than an OLED with backlit TV. And then this and LG being like, no, OLEDs are better than this, okay? It's funny, right? It's funny that the people that create an OLED were at one point saying, oh, no, you need a backlit TV. You don't need an OLED. And then in a year, it changed. And it changed because Sony started using LG's OLED panels. 
Sony's TVs were better in a lot of cases because Sony's good at TVs, so there's better processors and stuff like that. But this is the fun part. LG gives their panel to Sony and starts selling their panel to Sony, and Sony starts making OLEDs. And a reciprocation, Sony's OLED, or Sony's OLED, one of the biggest things about it is its processor. LG, a year, a year later, starts getting processors from Sony, burying the hatchet to make them better. Now, I have the A1E, which when it first came out was a $4,000 TV. The new one, the A9F, which is coming out very soon, it was compared to one of LG's TV. If you took the Sony A1E, the one that I have in my house, and put it against LG's OLED, there was a massive gap because of the processor, because of what the processor and a Sony TV could do. But because they buried the hatchet and worked for each other, Sony got the panel so they could show how good the OLED is. So... Sony comes out with their consumer OLED and they're beating LG. LG says, hey, can we do this partnership a little bit more? Can we borrow your processor? And they do. And the A9F, which is a TV that's coming out for Sony versus the uh, C8, I think it is, or E8? C8, I think, yeah, C8. The margin of difference is so, so, so small. So small. So what you had at first was Sony doing very, very well with backlit TVs, very kind of close kind of close to lg um then lg gave sony their panel to put sony in the oled game and sony started dominating lg then they in the long term asked their partner with sony to get sony's processor and now they're neck and neck so at first they were winning then Sony was winning because of what they gave them. They helped them out. Then Sony was destroying them, and then they called in that favor, and now they got the processor, and the gap is so, so small. So it's interesting, right? It's interesting how you make an, an enemy of yours into service, and they use that. They use reciprocation. Like, hey, you can buy our panels from us, and then a year and a half later, hey, we're going to buy, buy, buy your processors and put them in our TV. That is incredible proof. And it's funny because I didn't even think about that when I was writing out this podcast until it popped in my head. But without enemies, we grow lazy. We do. There's nothing that makes us feel focused or alert. And it's sometimes better to use enemies as enemies rather than transforming them into friends or allies. In that case, it worked out for them, right? It worked out because they're a partnership. But Sony doesn't partner with Samsung on building TVs. Um... They don't. And there's a big following for Samsung TVs. I mean, mostly people that are idiots that don't know anything about TVs. But there's a big following of people that like Samsung TVs. Um, Whole cultures, honestly. I remember when I worked there, um, Asian people love Samsung TVs. In fact, like I learned that when an Asian person walked into um, Best Buy, into the home theater department, they walked over to the Samsung TV. Every single time. And the funny part is, the funny part is when I started dating a girl who was Asian and I jokingly said, what TV do you have? have? Just kidding. I know it's a Samsung. She was like, wait, how do you know it's a Samsung? <laughs> so Samsung do have a massive following, but Sony didn't partner with them and LG didn't partner with them. And there you go. All right. But when you pick a fight with someone... You want to make sure that you can defeat them. If you're going to pick a fight with an enemy, make sure you defeat them. Don't, there can't be any gray area or doubt. Okay? Never pick a fight with someone you are not sure you can defeat. Because they will destroy you. Especially if it's an enemy. Okay? 
if you have no apparent enemies, you must at times, and it seems bad, it seems manipulative, set up a convenient target, even turning some friend into an enemy. And that's how, I mean, this is how you're building movement and power and how you're using things, okay? And you can use, you can use that, like if you're in a public setting where um, somebody hasn't, when you form an enemy, you can use it as to show what your goals and what you're trying to help for other people around you, okay? But that's the thing. We know if we walk up to a lion and put our hand in its jaw, it's going to bite, right? We know that. That's what an enemy is. But if you look around and you don't know stuff like that, or you don't know who would do that, or you like think that your friends aren't going to do that at some point in their lives, you're crazy. You have no idea what's going to happen. Okay? Friends, you have no such caution of knowing that they're going to bite you. If, even if you were to hire them into your business, they will eat you alive with ingratitude. They will. Okay? It's, it, and that's why the thing, like if you're going to move somebody into your company that's your friend, you better well darn be sure that they don't take you out. You better be close to them. Because if they do, they do like they feel in gratitude, and there's like pl- plenty, plenty of stories. If you read the book, um, what's it? It's Forty Eight Laws of Power. Forty Eight Law- Laws of Power, um, which I'm currently trying to finish this one up. Um, I think it was the second chapter or first chapter was about stories of people that. Um, we're really close friends. They put them in power. They gave them stuff, money, power, fame. And then once their power and fame got bigger than the person that put them in the place, even if they were a king or whatever, they would snap back and t- like the person that they built up would take them out. Okay? That's how it works. All right? So that's it. So we want to make sure that we have enemies. We want to make sure we keep our enemies corralled and that we're still the ones in control. But do not be scared of having enemies. If you are scared of having enemies, then you are already losing. Because when you do have an enemy, they will eat you alive. I have no problem with having enemies. In fact, I look for enemies in my life. I look for people I don't agree with. I don't view them as moral people. I don't view them as having a conscience or... or are willing to fight for people. I look for people. And maybe that was when I was in school and I had to force myself into becoming anti-bully because I was getting picked on and other people were getting picked on and I just got tired of it. So maybe that's what it was. And I became a very vicious human being then because of that. And I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared of what somebody else could do to me because I knew what I could do. And in any social thing where there is a hierarchy or a social structure or a rank system, I know exactly where I stand in it at all times. And I stand at the damn pointy top. I can be an employee. I can be a lower end. I know what I'm capable of. And I'm not the type of person that walks into something and starts disrupting and starts creating coups and things like that. I'm not like that. But I know that if you keep coming, if somebody comes after me and starts, you know, really showing as a, as a formidable foe or a formidable enemy, I will tear crap down. 
because I know what I'm capable of. I know what my mind is capable of. I know what my influence and power over other people is, is what its effect is on people. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because if you want to build power, if you want to build influence, and you do, and I don't want to hear this, oh, but that's not the right way to do it. You're, you're acting kind of like a dictator. Yes, okay, I have dictator-type qualities in me. I do. Being a dictator is not 100% bad. Sometimes people need a leader that's formable and strong. I'm not saying go and kill millions of people for no reason. I'm not saying, you know, do horrible, like, crimes and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. But having the leadership and the power to push people to their best and to push people out of their comfort zone and to push people to do something that they didn't think they could do before, yeah, I'm a dictator in that 100%. Because 90% of people won't ever have the motivation to push themselves to that point. And I have pushed people to become amazing, great things. And one of those reasons is because I know the balance of an enemy and a friend. I know that sometimes they're two in one. I know that sometimes a friend can spin around and bite you and poison you to the point where you can't really stand well. I know all that. And that's the funny thing about this podcast. I don't want people to think. And it's funny because we have all these different types of podcasts. We have the gentle ones like Teach You Be Loving and Kind. And then we have ones like Gary Vaynerchuk that are blunt and aggressive and show you how it is. Okay? With mine, mine's different. Mine's different than all those. Mine is the one that's going to tell you exactly what you need to do in order to, <clears throat> as I, my voice loses, that's how, that's how into this podcast I am, um, mine will tell you exactly what you need to do to get to where you are. And if you think you have to be a docile, gentle person that constantly cares for every single person that ever existed around you, you are mistaken and you are wrong. Horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. I'm not saying that you have to push other people below you to get up. I'm not saying that. In fact, most of my pro bonos are people that I've taken that were below me in social power and structure and things like that and brought them up to my level and even maybe at times pushed them above me. I want people that are powerful. I don't want people that are lower than me. I want people that are powerful, even the people I'm building up. Because there's going to be one day when I don't have power in something and I need them. That's what it is. That's what all of life is. You're either low on the power scale or high on the power scale. But I can promise you, you can't be low on the power scale and have good morals and help other people be better. You can be on the high end of the power scale with good morals and help people to be better because you control it. You control it and say, nope, that is unacceptable. You shouldn't be doing that. That's hurting people. Nope, and squash it. You can't do that down low. You can't do that and be like, oh, you're, uh, hey, you up there, you're, uh, you're doing stuff that you shouldn't do. Okay, <laughs> done. That's all it takes. If you want to be successful and you want to build people up and you want to help people, you have to have power. You have to have confidence. If you don't have that, you're going to have a lot more friends, but they're all going to be enemies. That's one thing a lot of people know not to do. Cross me. And it's because I have power. Not corrupted power, but pure, moving, helping people power. But what they know in the back of the head, my pro bonos, my close friends, that if you screw with Connor, he will steamroll the hell out of you. He will bury you. He will bury you on the account of me. He protects me. 
That's what people know. And that's what people like about me. But it's also that I know that at any given moment, my friend might take a swing at me and see if I'm still on top. Oh, can you handle this? Boom. That's what humans are. We get bored. We get, hey, can he handle this? Hey, can I handle this? Hey, wink, wink. We whip that knife out and start stabbing people. Then we bleed out from this or we get back on his feet. We're just curious. It's not always in malicious intent. It's, always, it's usually in curiosity. But that's that. So, to sum this all up, do you know? Do you know if you have a friend-enemy balance? Do you have people in your life that you know are enemies? Think about it. Maybe some of them you can turn into friends. Do you have some friends that are, you know, not the best that you might want to push into the enemy category? Balance. Balance. Got to remember, if you have a scale and you have it perfectly balanced and you put one more thing in one, on one side, it's unbalanced again. Got to balance it out. Balance is constantly watching and seeing which side is leaning heavier. So that's why I'm not scared of enemies. That's why I have the best friendships I know of. That's why I have people that would die for me. That's why I have people that I connect with so well and I feel so good about having in my life that I can't really ask for anything more. I can ask for more people I can have in my life like that, but my friendships, I would never give up the ones I have. So that is what you need to look for. That's what you need to see. So that is about it. Hopefully this podcast has motivated you to kind of check out that part of your life. Um... I really hope it does because it's one of the key points to being successful in life. And that's about it. So I'll see you guys next time. Once again, it's Connor Gilson from CG Consulting. And I'll see you on the flip side.